Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Talk Junkies, where tonight is going to be the most interesting night of all time here on, on Talk Junkies. <laughs> I'm just starting this one off, baby. Um, it's just it's going to be a fun night, but before we get into tonight's podcast, I want to thank Dr. Joel Hirschhorn for coming on last week. It was a really good podcast, just about last year's blunders of the, the COVID pandemic. Um, just if you want to check that out, check out our last video on YouTube, um, and it'll lead you to the, the link in our description to our new BitChute channel. And it's also on iTunes and Spotify and all those things as well. Um, his book's going to be on your left, very top, Pandemic Blunder. Check out his book. You can find it on Amazon. Dr. Joel Hirschhorn, thank you for coming on last week. It was a fantastic podcast. But anyways, tonight, tonight is a very special night because what happens when you die? And I'm not talking about where do you go or if there's an afterlife or if there's nothing after you die. Something does happen when you die. And tonight's guest is going to explain to us what happens when you die and what your family members are going to experience and just kind of the financial aspect behind it. Um, just a, a gentleman that I know personally. He's a very fantastic gentleman. Brandon, thank you for joining Talk Junkies, man. How are you doing? Hey, good. Thanks for having me. How are you guys tonight? Fantastic. Good. Living the dream. We're live. So I didn't really <laughs> say what it was that you do, my man. So just kind of just give us a, a description of yourself and what it is that you do and how you got there. All right. I am, I guess, an estate planning attorney. Right. So I talk to people about what happens to to their stuff when they pass away, that kind of thing. Uh, who, who's in charge if somebody loses capacity, who passes away and who gets what, when, why and how with their stuff and whatnot. And so I guide people. Really, everything I do is designed to avoid probate. You keep the government uninvolved with my family affairs. And that's an A plus in my book. Yeah, a common theme with the state planning is no courtrooms, no lawyers, no judges, and definitely uh, no IRS if we could help it. That's, yeah, I'm, you, we're going to be best friends. Yeah. <laughs> so before you kind of get into it, man, how, what led you to this? Was there something like overarching when you were younger that wanted you to help people out in this situation, or did it just kind of happen? It just kind of happened. There was, there, there, was a, there was a really, really wealthy family uh, that was on the front page of the Wall Street Journal back in 1987, where one of the parents had passed away and the brothers all started fighting over the, over the, you know, tens and hundreds of millions of dollars and that kind of thing. And that kind of fascinated me that where the, where the family started all fighting and suing each other and that kind of thing. And so I think that really, once I decided to go to law school, got me, uh, interested in that kind of thing. And the more I got into tax classes and that kind of thing, it, it it just kind of all, all morphed into where I'm at now. Very nice. So go ahead, Jesse. Sorry. No, I was about to say that's got to be a weird job just for the fact that that's such a mourning portion of people's life. And you have to come in when people are grieving too, to help financially resolve all that stuff. Like, does that ever weigh on you at all? No, usually with what I do, you see people on good days, right? For, for the most part, you, you, because you know, people, something triggers it that, that, that uh, they need to do something. Somebody passes away. They see something happen to a friend or something like that. And it, it triggers a, a desire to get some things done. But if you get to that process early enough, then you make when somebody passes away or if somebody gets sick, becomes incapacitated, develops dementia or Alzheimer's, something like that then all the wheels are in motion, everything's in play. And so it makes a difficult process for the family uh, a lot smoother. It makes it less difficult. And so it's, it's by and large a hand-holding business. 
right? Because not all families are created equal at all. So when you sit down with somebody, basically you take two snapshots. You know, the old school pol uh, Polaroid cameras, you know, you push a, push mm -hmm. a button and the, the yep. picture comes out, right? So when you talk the estate planning process, it all starts with two of those Polaroids. And the first one's a picture of that family dynamic, right? Uh, you know, is it a blended family? You know, are we in a first, second or third marriage? Do we have his, hers, our kids, that kind of thing? Do we have any issues with any of the kids? Are there any uh, substance abuse problems? Are there any, you know, special needs? Is some, uh, if somebody's, you know, disabled, that kind of thing. And then the second, the second Polaroid is a financial snapshot. And what we look at is how, how, how assets, you know, what kind of assets are there, how they're titled. Uh, so we can avoid probate and we need to, to, to have a general idea of how much is there because we need to know if Uncle Sam's going to want to have their hand out. Right. And so you put those two Polaroids together, those two snapshots, and it paints the picture as to what that particular person or family's best options are, you know, to get them from point A to point B based on what they're wanting. And how many how many Americans are actually ready for something like that or how many people do take the steps to do those types of things? Because, I mean, you I've know, been... they say between 60 and 70 percent of the people have not done it yet. Okay, that makes. I thought you were about to say sixty to seventy percent have, and I was like, man, that seems no, a little high. Not. No, that's that's they have not done it. And do you know why? Really, because it's a three strike business from the get go. Strike number one is somebody's got to go sit down with the lawyer. Nobody likes to do that. Strike number two is they have to talk about dying and becoming incapacitated. And strike number three is it, it's going to cost them some money. So you know, as long as they're feeling good that day, it can wait till tomorrow. Mm -hmm. So it's almost, it's almost like a, uh, something that people will put off about as long as they can. Well, it's not, it's not as like, long as they, go ahead. It's not like it's something that you're really even taught anyways. You, like you said, I mean, every family's different. So the, you'd have to grow up in a family that kind of prepared you to do something like that early on. Something like I say, you know, you, you, you hear horror stories, you know, what happens if, if mom or dad or grandma and grandpa have to, have to go into a nursing home, you know, they, they say that the state you know, takes the house uh, or, you know, makes them, takes all their assets, that kind of thing, if they have to do it. And, or usually they, they'll hear a horror story or something like that, or something, heaven forbid, happens to somebody, you know, way too young. Uh, you know, we go through life and life does throw curveballs. We've all experienced them. Sometimes they're positive curveballs, but sometimes they're negative curveballs. You know, things don't always work out the way we want them to. Uh, and so the estate planning process is just a way to to prepare yourself for the future. And what you want to do is you prepare for what happens if something happened to you today or tomorrow, knowing that you don't want to, don't, don't want to use anything you're doing today or tomorrow. You want it to collect dust for a long time. So you got peace of mind that it's there. You know, if you're, if you're a young family starting out, you have kids, heaven forbid something happens, you're in a car wreck, who's going to step in and raise your kids for you? You know, who's going to be the guardians and whatnot. So people have once somebody turns the age of 18, there's, there's certain things that they can only do to get the wheels in motion if something happens to them, right? And, and to stay out of that courtroom process. So why is that courtroom, why is that courtroom process even there in the beginning? Is, is it be, because of financially that the government wants to get involved and people, because they know if 60 to 70% of people aren't prepared for this type of thing, then they're collecting a lot of money, are they not? Well, it's not necessarily the state that's collecting money. 
So what happens, right? And how, how the, how, what the probate process is, and there's two forms of probate by and large. There's probate, the, the most common form of probate that people are associated with is what happens to, if some, somebody has to take a piece of property through, uh, you know, through, through the probate process when they die. So let's take a house, for example. All you and your wife own a house, right? Yep. Yeah? Okay. So on the deed to that house, it's got both of you on there, husband and wife, right? Yep. Okay. So if something happens to you, what happens is we take an imaginary eraser and we take your name off of that deed. We look at the deed and your wife's name's on there. We don't know. We don't, we don't, we know exactly who owns it. No probate, no, no courtrooms, no lawyers, no judges. It, it's hers. Now she passes away. Now we take an imaginary eraser and we take her name off of that deed. We look at the deed. There's no names on there. We don't know who owns it. And so that's what probate is. It's a, it's a method of establishing ownership. So to figure out who's going to get the house is we got to go talk to the probate judge. And the first question the judge is going to have is, did they have a last will and testament? Last will and testament, you know, you hear that term a lot. And it's got big fancy letters, last will and testament on there. If you just cross those letters, those words out, right, dear judge. A will by definition is a probate tool and it only works if we're sitting inside of a courtroom talking to a judge. And so if we have to take a house through probate, you know, depending on what state you live in, you're going to have to sit. It's a hurry up and wait game. You're going to sit and twiddle your thumbs and wait. And then you're going to have to pay a probate attorney to make that process happen. And even a, a, a relatively simple probate can take, well, between six and nine months and if you're taking a piece of real estate through there, a probate attorney might get upwards of five, six, seven percent of whatever the equity is in that house. Wow. Right. So that's a bad result. And it, it might not always want to have that happen. And then heaven forbid you take it. And do you have kids? Uh, yeah, I have two kids. They, they don't have kids. You don't. You guys don't. But you you guys do. So your kids, how, how young are they? Four and two. Four and two. Okay. So let's say you did, you guys did, and then your house had to go through probate and you didn't have a, a will or an estate plan or anything like that. Okay. The state you live in is going to have an estate plan for you. If you don't have a will, it's called dying intestate. That means you have no planning in place. So your state's going to have it. And the state says it's going to go to your kids, but they're going to have to wait for it. And because they're too young to catch money, because you can't give money to four and two-year-olds. They can't catch money until they're 18. And so, and, and no 18-year-old in the world needs money, right? We're, we're pretty stupid at 18. <laughs> Absolutely. We all made solid decisions at 18. I don't know if I need it at 30. <laughs> well, I'm 50, and my, my decisions sometimes are, uh, are, are uh, questionable as well. Um, so what happens is then that, that money that, that's theirs is going to go sit in what's called a conservatorship that's going to be supervised by, by a judge and, in, and the guardians who, who would be selected to step in and raise them, be it a grandparent, a sibling like that, every time they need money for them, they're going to go have to talk to the judge. And then at the ripe age of 18, your kids are going to get that money. And that's a bad result. Would you agree with that? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, because I didn't even think about that. They're getting the money as soon as they're legally adults. And do you really yeah. want your kids to have 100% control of that amount of money at 18 no. years old? 
you don't. You know, statistically, about 80% of inheritances are gone in about 18 months or less. Wow. Doesn't oh, matter how old you are, what you get. It's kind of like lottery syndrome, right? It's kind of like winning the lottery. So, you know, we're, we're, we're buying a house or paying off a house or paying off student debt, paying off credit card debt, buying new cars, taking a trip or two, that kind of thing. It's not really squandered. And it does, you know, it, it increases somebody's quality of life, but the money's gone pretty fast. And 18-year-olds, they don't do it. So that's what, on the estate planning process, that's what we do is we plan for what happens to your four-year-old and your two-year-old and all your stuff if you and your wife passed away, right? So you guys in this process, first off, you'd set up uh, powers of attorney for each other. We'll talk about powers of attorney in a little bit, but you, you would set up some nature of a trust for your kids that would catch your house, catch life insurance policies, catch any retirement accounts, catch bank accounts, that kind of thing. And then you would select who would be in charge of managing that money and it would be held for them. It's theirs. It's just not theirs to go and blow and waste and that kind of thing. So it can be held and trust until they're a little bit older and more responsible, you know, age 30, something like that. I have a bunch of teenagers at home, and I think maybe age 90 might be when they need to get there. <laughs> they're, not, they're not super responsible with it right now. Uh, so so the, the estate planning process is you're selecting. You're, you're calling the shots. You're not letting the, the a courtroom call the shots. You're not letting the judge call the shots. You're doing it, and you're putting it all in black and white, and there's just different documents that are associated with that process to make it happen. What's the level of taxation that happens on that transfer of wealth over to um, the people receiving it after after death? That is a great question. So what we're talking about there is the estate tax. Okay, so you, you hear it call, call, called the death tax, the inheritance tax, the estate tax. What that tax is? It's really a tax imposed on transferring wealth down to the next generation, down to your kids, or really anybody other than a non-spouse. So what what the what Uncle Sam of the IRS says is that when somebody passes away, right, they have a certain amount of money that they can pass for for free, right? So when somebody passes away, what happens is before you get through to the pearly gates, right? You got to get through the gatekeeper. The gatekeeper's the IRS. The IRS agent's got two questions: how much money do they have, and then where's it going? So as long as however much you have is under a certain dollar amount, then there is no tax. There's what's, no inheritance. What's that tax. dollar amount? What's that dollar amount? Right now it's 11.78 million per person. Oh, wow. Okay. So nothing, nothing it's, I need to worry no, about. No, it's, it's a really high <laughs> you're, number. You're good, Jesse. Yeah. You're, you're fine. So, and, and so, you know, and to get to that number, you take into account, you know, what's the death benefit of life insurance? You know, what are the retirement account values when somebody passes away, real estate, bank accounts, all that kind of thing. Right. And then, that, I mean, that's a really high threshold. It didn't always do that. When I started practicing a long time ago, the number was 600,000, right? And so if somebody passed more than 600,000 to their kids, Uncle Sam wanted to have their hands out and the tax rate was pretty high. Right now, that 11.78 uh, million is, it's, it's indexed for inflation, but it's also scheduled to ratchet back down to a baseline of $5 million in 2026. And every time we kind of do a tax act, they do a 10 year tax act, and then it kind of reverts back down to a different number. 
And right now, there's there, there's a few few proposals on the table from the Biden administration that could significantly lower that right now and, and, and change the uh, uh, landscape of the, the, the tax structure quite a bit. So we're just kind of waiting to see if if any of that gets gets mustered if anything happens. I almost want to ask your opinion on that, but I feel like that will turn into something else. How do you feel of like just a little bit, not to get too political, just staying into your field directly? Um, how do you feel about term life insurance? I think life insurance is great for a, a lot of things, including including term. Like perfect example is Paul here. He's got a four year old and a two year old, right? And I, you know, I happen to know he and his wife, and I know they're both hard workers and do that. But if something happened to Paul or something happened to his wife, that insurance becomes really important, right? Because Paul, if something happens to you, that insurance is going to let your wife be able to pay off the house, right? Maybe, maybe grieve a little bit, not be stressed about the finances because it will leave her with the pool of money to help raise those kids because now you're gone. If, if that makes sense, I think it's a good thing. I mean, I have insurance still. And, and I'm not I'm not super well knowledgeable in the whole thing, but I, I have a big, whenever it comes to the finance, I look to a lot of Dave Ramsey. And I don't believe oh, in every, yeah. everything Dave Ramsey says, but he's really um, negative on the term life insurance aspect. Not life insurance, but term life insurance. He's like, he's not about for certain reasons. I was just trying to get your, your opinion on it, on well, it there too. I, you know, I, I get where he's saying, because you're, you're, you know, it's like you're, you're, you're paying money for something and odds are you're not going to need it. And so you're not, if you, if you don't need it, which means if you don't die, right, yeah. it's not <laughs> yeah. going to pay yeah. out, uh, which I mean, I, I mean, I, you know, you got to pick your poison there. Mm. Uh, th then you've wasted that money in theory. Right, which is kind of where he's coming from. Whereas, if you buy a different kind of an insurance product, you know, variable or whole life or something like that, you're still building up some savings. So, if you don't use it, it's still an, it's more of an investment vehicle. Yes, but uh, I'm not against term. I'm not against life insurance at all. I think it's great. Uh, term insurance, you know, for especially for young families starting out, that kind of thing, they don't have a lot of disposable income. Right. And so it's a it's it's a cheap way to to uh, uh, protect or hedge against something really unfortunate that could happen. You know, I've had to sit with uh, young families where a, uh, a spouse had died, not leaving any insurance. The widow could not keep the house. They they, they had to immediately go back to work because there's no money there. It was, a, it's a disaster. Some cheap term insurance, even a few hundred thousand dollars would have been a, all the difference in the world for them. Oh, for sure. Right. So I, I don't, I don't disagree with, with, with uh, Dave Ramsey. I, I think he does great, but I don't necessarily agree with it either. I, I was, because I, I think was for very, a lot of people, it's a good option for them. I was just very curious on your opinion on that because that yeah. he's, he's like, for me, I, as far as my financial setup goes, I've really enjoyed Dave Ramsey. Not so much on so much of his political side, but his his knowledge of finance and fundamentals of finance. I I, I like him for the, for the basic for the, the basic, basic math portion of it. Yeah, for for people and especially, I'm like they should teach this in high school. Like what Dave oh, Ramsey says, they should. They they need Every, to be teaching the basics of, of finance, like like how he views it. 
which is just yeah. so easy to read. Well, like, like not even not even Dave Ramsey, but <clears throat> what it is that you do, I think that some of that should be taught in high school as well. Oh, this this should oh, yeah. be too. Yeah, They're, I mean, this is, we're all, this is like real life shit. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like, you it is be, real life stuff. Yeah. Uh, real life things. I mean, it's something as great, as simple as counting change or balancing a checkbook or something like that. Because when somebody you know, people pass away, that kind of thing. All of a sudden that, uh, you know, one, one of the spouses has paid all the bills and done everything, the whole, and then they pass away and the surviving spouse has no clue. They don't even know where to start, right? So every, when you sit down with somebody like that, you just kind of start going through checklists. Of, uh, uh, this is what you're looking out for. These are the steps you need to take, that kind of thing. That's why, I mean, it's a hand-holding business. I have a question when it comes to the whole. Oh God! I have a question when it comes to the whole last will and testament thing, and I don't yeah. want to get into. I'm going to stick with the financial side of it and not get into like cremation and so many of these other things that do interest me and whatnot. But that's a different document we're going to talk about on that one. Is is the last will and testament of someone, especially if they go through a lawyer and do everything the correct way, you know, black and white on paper? Does that is that the highest form of power? Like, does that override, for example, let's say, let's say a person were married, but in yeah. their, like they're technically married, but in their last will and testament, they were to say something like, my wife doesn't get this money. This goes to this person. That will not work. Okay. Okay. But, but first off, let, let's, let's talk about something here. So let's say that that the 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 will the will says that first off you don't necessarily ever want to use a will because like i said a little bit earlier will by definition means that we're taking something through probate and we're in a courtroom so we want to by and large avoid that and how we avoid that are, are there's a there's different ways to avoid it but the, you know but a trust, a revocable living trust is probably the best way to avoid it, but not everybody does that. Sometimes, like you could, like, let's just say for your example, you said, hey, I don't want to leave my wife anything. I want, the will says, I, I'm not going to leave my wife anything. I want it all to go to my kids, right? Mm -hmm. Your life insurance beneficiary designation, you have, your wife is the beneficiary of that life insurance policy. Doesn't matter what the will says. The will doesn't control that because that asset's not going through probate. That means the insurance policy is going to the wife. Gotcha. Same thing with the bank account. If you have a pay on death or transfer on death designation, on right? Or the beneficiary designation on a retirement account. Those things are contracts with the company or with the institution that this is who where things are supposed to go. So we don't need a will to tell us where things are going. We don't need probate on that. Gotcha. To do. So, and then you, you went, so when you talk about an estate plan, right? Every estate plan, there's different ball caps that are hats that people need to be able to put on or be, be empowered to put on to step in a situation and deal with things. Okay. Paul, let's say you're in a hospital. All right. You get in a car wreck. You're in a hospital. Uh, you've been married. How long? Uh, three years, three years. Okay married three years did you know that if you're in the hospital your wife can't do a dadgum thing she can't talk to the doctor she can't do anything uh with unless you have designated her as your agent under a, a, a medical power of attorney i did not know that right a lot of people don't they just kind of assume because they're married they don't but neither kansas nor missouri will allow that so 
medical power of attorneys where you actually designate somebody to be able to, to, to step in your shoes and make medical decisions on your behalf, right? So when you talked about cremation there a little bit ago, cremation is my, oh, my screen looked like it did something goofy. Sorry, guys. Uh, cremation is where you're going to put, hey, I want to be cremated or I do not want to be cremated. That's where you're going to put that in your medical power of attorney because your medical agent's going to be the one that can make those postmortem decisions, really. You're not going to put it in the last will and testament because nobody can use a last will and testament until a judge allows them to. So there's a period of time before that can happen. And all the, oh, the postmortem things, burial arrangements, that kind of thing, those all tend to happen pretty quick for the most part. I mean, it would have to be. It would have to be. Yeah. And so that's why those medical powers of attorney are so important. And everybody over eight, the age of 18 needs two documents. They need the medical power of attorney and they need a financial power of attorney. The financial power of attorney is where somebody's going to be able to deal with your health insurance, to be able to pay your bills, that kind of thing, to step in your shoes if you're, you don't have the ability to, to act on your own behalf. And if we don't have those documents, then have you guys heard of uh, what's called guardianships and conservatorships? Mm -mm. You ever heard those terms before? I mean, I've heard of guardianship before. Yes. Okay. So what a guardianship is, let's say uh, you, you get in a car wreck, right? And, and you're in really bad shape and you're rendered incapacitated. Okay. You have a bad head injury or something like that. You can't act on your own anymore. So if somebody doesn't have those powers of attorney in place, then the family's got to go basically strip that person of all their legal rights because they can't make their decisions. And so they get a guardianship established to be able to take care of the person, right? So that's what a medical power of attorney is intended to avoid because you're selecting it while you can, okay? And do that. And then a conservatorship would allow somebody to take care of the money and that's what the financial power of attorney is going to let you be able to, you, you've selected who's going to do it, be it a parent or a spouse or something like that. So you're calling the shots. You're selecting. If you, if you're, you know, I've seen, I've seen 30 year olds get hit by a drunk driver that all of a sudden they're forever seven year olds now, right? With, 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 with no documents in place, no anything. And so the family's got to go through these court proceedings. They're, they're, you know, they're there for a reason and, and they, they help get things done. But if you can avoid those court proceedings, families are always better off. That's got to be costly too. In the family. That just sounds costly. What? That just sounds costly. Guardianship's concerned. Yeah, it is if, costly. If something's it's a not lot cheaper for people to take care of things ahead of time than to react after the fact. Now, Almost always. Are there are there ways, and, I, and maybe you wouldn't even be in business if there if this were the case. But are there ways for people to not get lawyers involved and do these types of things by themselves? Are there documents that they can get online and fill out these yeah. types of things to avoid dealing with courtrooms? Well, not necessarily to avoid dealing because if you're doing, yeah, there are. You know, you can do your own will online, your own trust online, your own powers of attorney online, that kind of thing. And I'm a big believer that any document's probably better than no document, but what those, what those online versions can't, you know, can't do is they cannot tell you what your family dynamic is, what problems might be associated there. They can't address any of that stuff, whereas I can. Uh, 
you know, I, I, I see online documents quite a bit. I review a lot of other documents from, from, from people, honestly, all over the country, you know, as they move, uh, move in state, that kind of thing. But you, you know, if you've looked at them long enough that, you know, what's, what, what's good, what's, what's bad, what's indifferent on things. Um, as far as the courtroom process and whatnot, if somebody's willing to do a lot of the legwork by themselves, yeah, they can, they, they might be able to do it. You know, people can get divorced on their own. They don't have to have an attorney. They just kind of have to figure out, you know, how, how to do those process, you know, those deals. And a lot of times they don't work out great especially if there's contested issues and that kind of thing, but it can be done. The same thing can be done really in a probate process and that kind of thing, but a, a good lawyer is going to be able to help navigate through things. Like I don't do probate at all, but I, I farm that work out to a couple of, a couple of people that know a lot of tricks to the trade that I don't know on there that, that makes it more streamlined. If you're having to go through a courtroom process, makes it easier for the client, right? I streamline the estate planning process so, no, so nobody has to go to court, but I know, I know what questions to ask somebody when they're sitting in front of me to be able to, to help hold their hand and get them where they need to be. I was, I was going to say, at the end of the day, it almost seems like it comes down to how much you actually care about that too. Like if, you're, if you really care about where your money's going, where your like power of medical attorney or everything like that is going, then it's probably better to spend that extra money and make sure it's bulletproof and go through a lawyer and everything. If you're just kind of like, uh, I kind of just want to have this on paper just in case, but I don't care too much, then maybe, you know, do it on your own, whatever, blah, 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 take the simpler route, whatever, the cheaper route. But if it's something that's actually important to you, like it should be, it seems like spending that extra money slash time and getting an expert to do it is probably the route to go. I, I would agree. I mean, it, you take it, you know, the, the world's full of niches, right? We all, everybody kind of finds their, their, their own niches. You know, uh, you know, I can try to fix my car on my own or, or try to fix my air conditioner on my own, but I don't know what I'm going to, but I don't know what I'm doing. I'm probably going to screw it up. <laughs> yeah. But somebody that knows how to do it, they can come in, they can fix it. And that's, that's money well spent because it's taken care of. I can, right? I can change so my again, oil, but I'm not trying to dr drop my transmission out and replace all that stuff on yeah. my own and everything. There's no way. Exactly. I mean, I kind of, I honestly, I had this conversation on uh, uh, Friday morning. I was getting my car service. <laughs> this kid was asking me that, that was doing, it was asking me what I did, that kind of thing. And he was like, oh, I don't think I could, I, I don't think I could have made it through the schooling. I'm like, well, I don't think I could fix my car like you're doing for me right now. I mean, there, there, there is, it is a world of niches. And that's one of the beautiful thing about my area is I get to see what people do. I, you know, what, what, what they do for a living, what, what they've done. I mean, it's really a, a pretty good area of law. So I don't know if you know, if you, if you can go down this type of route, but how did we get to this place in the first place where there are so many different types of um, a state type of laws and structures that are in place. And I know you said it's a state by state basis, but how did it get so complex to where it's to this point where we're having this conversation, trying to inform people about it? Yeah, it does I seem mean, pretty convoluted. Yeah. Is it, is it just like the politicians or, or city council, these types of things, or where there's just too many problems back in the past to where they just said, Hey, you know what? We just got to make well, this you know, before, before we had laws, it was kind of like a wide open uh, deal. Right. So, you know, you know, back in the stone ages, you know, when, when somebody if somebody passed away, they put all their belongings in the middle of the village and whoever could get there the, the fastest and pick up the most just got the stuff. 
Oh, that's what I want to put in my will. Member or something. Yeah. Right? So, so the, these these probate laws and that kind of thing, they came in place to, okay, if somebody passes away and they don't have anything in place, yes, it's going to go to the wife or it's going to go to the kids. It's going to go where it's supposed to go. And then we've we, we decided, why do I have to go through a probate process? What if I want to be able to control things for my kids or be able to hold things and protect my, my, uh, one of my, my parent, if they be, have to go to a nursing home or something like that. And so that's where that concept of trust comes up. And, and the concept of trust came when, you know, back in the uh, middle ages, when, you know, uh, uh, you know, when they had knights and whatnot, right. Mm -hmm. uh, right. So what would happen is when, when the knight was going off into battle, he would pick a friend, a, a trusted, a trusted friend to, if he died in battle, then uh, th that trusted friend would give that give the property or dole it out to his, his wife or kids afterwards, and that's that's really where the notion of a, a trust came. Okay. Okay. So, so way back then, and so over the years and years and years, it, it it's it's developed and kind of taken a, a course. You know, it evolved, and that's that's where where law is. It's 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 embedded. We're embedded in common law, right? So. People have, have done things over the past and courts or judges have ruled on things. And so we know how things operate. So the area doesn't really change fast. You know, things change here and there, that kind of thing. Uh, you know, d d different different administrations, uh, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll move one way or another on taxes and that kind of thing. But overall, the same effects, the same. If you don't have something in place, you're going to have to go talk to a judge, and most people don't want to do that. So it's it's better to have have something in place to avoid that, to make sure you are sending what you have down to the people to the people you want to want to have have it and how you want them to get it. So right. And sorry, sorry to kind of interrupt there. It's something just sparked, and, and I just want to make sure I say it before it goes away. So I know you kind of brought up an example of like a house. And if I were to die, Carrie Ann would get the house, uh, depending on what type, if I either had a will, I, whether or not we get a judge, a judge involved or not. So let's say for, for the sake of this conversation, I have, I have nothing. Right. And so I have my financials. I have a Robin hood account. I got E-Trade. I got Coinbase. I got a whole bunch of different accounts with a lot of money in it. And I have a car and I have all these things minus the house. So what type of things happen when you die, when you do with all this new online cryptocurrency and online just banking? stocks in general. And stocks, stocks in general, in general. Yeah. Do they stocks have to be liquidated? Do they have to liquidate the stock? Can it be from a brokerage actually be transferred over to another like entity? And I think what I'm asking is, does the government get their hands on the money at that point in your type of stocks if you don't have a plan? Stocks are a weird one. That was actually going to be one of the questions that right, I had in the background of my head. Let's talk about stocks. Let's talk about stocks. I'm going to tell you what my trust does. Okay. I got three kids. I got a blended family. All right. Uh, and I, I treat all three of them as though they're all mine. Okay. So if I'm gone, what my trust says, and, I, and let's say I have a fidelity account. It's got stocks in it. Okay. I die. My trust becomes three trusts, one for each of my kids. Okay. One for Olivia, one for Drew, one for Maya. They, it holds it until they're a certain age and that kind of thing. And to, the answer to your stocks is that Fidelity account would get divided. And 
the trustee, whoever you select to be in charge, has the ability to either liquidate those stocks and, and, and fund each of those shares with cash, or they can take and let's say there's 30 shares of Apple stock or 30 shares of Amazon. You can take 10 shares and, and put them 10, 10 and 10. You can divide those shares. You don't have to liquidate them. But, but the trustee or whoever's in charge can be able to do that. It's the same thing if I had a, a Charles Schwab account and I decided to name all three of you as beneficiaries of that account. And I had and I had different stocks in there. Go for okay? it. Feel free, by the way. You guys as beneficiaries, right? And I have a bunch of teenagers, so I don't really have much in the way of stocks. When, when that happens, so then if you guys are all the individual beneficiaries of it, all right, Paul, you could sell your stock and, and take the cash if you wanted to, and you can select whatever account maybe you want to put it in, open a new Robinhood account and have it sent there or something like that. Uh, you guys can each individually select what you want to do with it, either keep it that kind of thing. Now, let's, let's take it a step further and where you're going with the taxation and that kind of thing. So I, I, I bought, I bought. Amazon at it, it, uh, $100, and when, when I died, it was worth $200, okay? Hope well, you still have that, it. That stock, all, that $100 of appreciation disappears when I die. It gets what's called a step-up in basis. So when it passes to my kids, or in that, if that account passes to you guys, your new basis is $200. So if you sell it, there's no tax. Oh. Really? <laughs> But if you keep that stock in place, right, and it goes from $200 to $250 and then you sell it, now your basis is going to be what it was when I died and I gave it to you. So it'll be $200, but you hold on to it. Now you sell it at $250. You're going to pay long-term capital gains taxes on that $50 of appreciation from the time you inherited it to it's the like, time you sold it. Which is like 40%, like the 40%. I mean- Long-term capital gains taxes are lower. Oh, no, no, no. That's after a year. I'm sorry. I, I was thinking, I'm, I'm no, sorry. Yeah, that, because short it, term. you don't have to hold it's it short for term. a year when you inherit, right? right. So you, you get a you get what's called a, a tax holding period. So you've, you automatically held it for a year. That's crazy that like, I didn't, that's crazy that it sets a new baseline though, when you pass it yeah. on, that it's not like, hey, you bought it for a hundred. So now when it goes to your kids, even though it's at 200 and they sell, they don't, they don't pay capital gains tax on that because their baseline is 200. That's actually really interesting. And that's the it, opposite of how I thought it would work. Unless it crosses that, that threshold, you? right? What, what you were talking about, that threshold being crossed at that $11.7 million, yeah, $11. right? Then, then that, that comes into play there. Very interesting. That was one of my it's bigger part, questions. Part, it you. starts to fill up, right? So yeah. if you kind of picture all the assets that you have, you know, like that stack of books there, you know, if you go to the river boats, you got a stack of chips, you know, you're making bets, winning bets, losing never bets, happened whatever to me it before, is. But okay. <laughs> that, that's kind of that's what, you know, everybody's got a stack of chips they go through with life. You know, yep. some stacks are bigger than others, right? And you make bets, you, you, you win, you lose, that kind of thing. So it, so it grows. So it's however big that stack of chips is, is whether, and so that's what, why it's called that estate tax. It's a tax imposed on transferring wealth. So you can, right now, you can either give that amount away or you can die with it while you're alive. Now, you know, the, the, the Biden administration has some proposals that changes that could 
change the complexion of those right now. And I, I've got a lot of uh, people asking, you know, what, what, what's going to happen? And on, honestly, right now, we don't know what's going to happen because nothing's really gotten any traction on that. So we just kind of wait and see uh, on what happens with that. So on that same share of stock, that $20 of stock, if I, die, if I paid $100 for it, if I died with it and it's $200, you get to do 200 basis. If I give it to you while I'm alive, your basis is what I paid for it. So it's $100. So if you turn around and sell it, you, you, your, your basis is only 100 So it's called a carryover basis if I give it to you. But you get a step up in basis. All the appreciation disappears if you die with it. That's crazy. I never, I never knew really that. I never thought it would work yeah. that way. So, you know, when, when, when something, so that's how stocks and that kind of thing work. But this hold on real quick. Also, so like even with stocks, if you let's say you don't have anything said and done with what happens when you die, same thing with a house, it would go to your next of kin or your kids. Well, it would like okay. So, uh, oh, you live in Kansas or Missouri? Missouri. Okay. So if if you died right now and you didn't have a will or anything, okay, it's going to say your, your house, the stocks, everything, and you don't have any beneficiaries, anything on there, right? Everything's just in your name alone and you die, right? All that's going to go through probate, which is going to tick your wife off, okay? And then what the state of Missouri says, they have a plan in place for you. If you don't have one, they've got one. And it says half of it's going to go to your wife, half of it's going to go to your kids. Your kids are too young to catch money, so it's right. going to go to a conservatorship. And then she'd probably be in charge of that, but she's going to have to work with the, the when you, when you want to get money for your kids. Okay, so no matter what, no matter what it is, whether it's stocks or cryptocurrency or anything, when you die, if you have nothing in place, it will go through probate, and the in the in the state will then have a plan in place for you. Yes, that's crazy that the state actually does it. I didn't know that the state actually did that for people. That's they do. They they have what's called dying intestate. Every state has a plan in place for you, but I can I, I can tell you that plan is not what you want. Right. No, it was interesting right. to me. So that's why you plan for something. That's why you take care of it. Right. So their plan doesn't do it. Exactly. Now, what really interests me there is you had to ask the question whether or not you, he was in Missouri or Kansas. How big of a difference is it in Kansas with that scenario? Not a lot. <laughs> oh, okay. I, I was just... you. <laughs> no, I was just curious because I was like, oh, man, it's Kansas. Oh, it all goes to the wife at that point or something? I don't know. I don't know. I've but just I, I've, I've just heard horror stories of people saying like, "Man, you definitely need to get involved before like something happens when you die because it just turns into this big mess and the state." Well, gets you, in, well, you it, still do because of yeah. probate and all that. Like right, and I saying. think and I didn't know that that that's what they mean when the state gets involved is it's they're going through probate. These they're people. going through the probate process exactly. Yeah. So you're happening. You, you know, you've got to publish notice to creditors. I mean, it, it, it's it's kind of a, it's kind of a pain in the neck. Pro probate's not always unavoidable. I mean, some, if there's wrongful death lawsuits, that kind of thing that are involved, sometimes that stuff has to, some, you know, the, court, the probate process isn't all, always a four-letter word, but if you're taking significant assets through probate, it is definitely a four-letter word. Uh, all you're doing is uh, uh, helping fund a, a probate attorney's 401k is what you're doing. That's the retirement thing. Uh, so you, you avoid it. And so, and usually the, the cost of an estate plan is significantly cheaper than taking an asset through probate. Almost always. And it's easier for people. Uh, you know, you, you can't, you know, sometimes people don't always, 
you know, uh, uh, get to it soon enough. Uh, you know, I had not one, not, not very long ago, we've had some unusual cases over the last uh, couple of years, but you know, the, the, there's a, there is a, there was a business in play. Uh, there were, there's a blended family in play, that kind of thing. The dad was terminal, knew what he wanted to do. All the documents were done. He went non-responsive before he signed them mm. at, actually at the appointment. Oh, wow. It was a hospital thing. Died. So then, we, you know, we figure it out because everybody knew what he wanted, but he didn't have it in place yet. And the state doesn't care at that point. They're going to step they right off paper. We still kept it. We've kept it out of it. We, we actually did have to do 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 something with the with with a with the uh, a judge on that one to to sign off on what's called a family settlement agreement where that everybody had kind of agreed what they wanted to do. But a judge had to approve it. To. To, to, to really make it make it happen that way sure. so it, there were some added steps and some added expenses for the, for that to happen whereas if he would have lived long enough to have signed it we wouldn't have had to gotten the courts involved yeah so Brennan let me let me ask you what happens I kind of want to switch gears here a little bit okay we've been talking about like equity and assets and stocks and everything and yeah. money on the opposite end of that, what happens if I, I'm the beneficiary of everything, just example, I'm the beneficiary of everything of my father or whatever. Okay. And um, he were to pass away with just debt, just debt and, and no, no assets, no, you know, what happens on the negative side? On the, that's a good question. Um, the, the good news is you do not have to pay them. Okay. <laughs> it, it, is it? So Woo, I'm just kidding. My dad's not in debt. We're good. I'm hypothetical. You don't have to, but let's say that he did. He passed. He had credit card debt. All right. As long as you haven't assumed that debt, right? Co-signed signed for it, that kind of thing. That's a different story. And that's your debt. But if he had credit card debt, that kind of thing, and he, you left you as the beneficiary of a life insurance policy, you don't have to use that life insurance to pay off that debt. Really? Why? Because that asset doesn't have to go through probate. Okay. So what happens is you send the credit card companies when they keep sending you mail, they, you send deceased, no estate, you send it back. They would have to file a claim in a probate estate, but there's no assets to go through probate. So they're not going to get anything. Mm. Same thing with medical bills. That's, that's what that process is. So the fact that he gave that to you outside of probate, you don't, you don't, you, you don't have to pay it. Now, if it were to go like, okay, so same situation. But this time going through probate and not having any will in place, not having any. Um, and the life insurance proceeds, no beneficiary. And so it's going through the estate. Mm -hmm. And there's credit card bills and that kind of thing. So then what happens is, and that's a really good case in point. So the life insurance, so what's going to happen is an estate's going to be open. You have to notify all known creditors and then you have to publish notice to unknown creditors. Like, you know, you take an ad out in the paper and publish it for a while and do that. Then everybody's got to make a claim in the estate. So what's going to happen is the funeral home's going to get paid. The lawyers are going to get paid. All the creditors are going to get paid and you're going to get whatever's left over. Wow. So you definitely want you to avoid, in life. you want to avoid probate in that case then. Yeah. At all costs. Yeah. Almost always. I'm telling you, you always do. 
Well, yeah, I mean, uh, definitely always. I just meant in general that the whole the that's, dead thing surprised me. I never knew difference. what I, ne- I no. That's what I'm saying. That's a that's a really obviously Big difference. on the positive side of things. Let's say you you know knock on wood you die with you know tons of money and everything. You obviously still don't want it to go to probate because then your kids are getting it 18, your wife's getting half of it, whatever's going on. You want to avoid that and make the decisions yourself. But then on the negative side of things with debt and all that, that's almost even worse going through probate kind of thing because it, it is. Now there's an exception in Kansas and Missouri on that. If if it, if you're married and somebody has medical debts, medical bills, the surviving spouse is obligated to pay the deceased spouse's medical bills. Oh, okay. The kids aren't. That's what would be called filial responsibility, where the obligation to pay that debt, you know, goes down downstream. That 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 doesn't happen. Uh, but but a surviving spouse has to pay the medical bills. In that case, you want to make sure that the bills are valid and, and the amounts are right. Mm-hmm. I mean, just because a hospital send you a bill doesn't always mean that that's what the what the amount is. Yep. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's a that's a conversation for a different time completely that, as far as healthcare is. goes. Well, I was always curious where that that tale came from because it's like as growing up, they're like, yeah, man, if if my parents are in debt, then I'm going to get all their debt and I'm going to have to pay it. Like, see, I just, that's what I've heard before, and no, Jesse you and I have talked about it. Sign off on that. That's not accurate. You uh, do that's not what I was going to say. I've heard that, but I never thought that was actually true. I was like, man, I've never heard of anybody actually inheriting debt. Right. Like, it wouldn't make much sense. Oh, this is where that's it, that's good to know, though. Not that I, I mean, like I said, not that it matters. That was purely hypothetical, but so that's it, good to know. Is is this something that I mean? So when someone wants to sign up for like a process that you provide, is, 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 are there scales to which it it happens? Um, yeah, I mean, so, so somebody, it's like when, when we sit down with somebody, set up an appointment, we sit down and we talk, we go through the snapshots, that kind of thing. You, you know, you like me, you don't like me. That, that uh, this is what you need to do. This is what it takes to get it done. This is what happens. And then we do a second appointment. Sometimes people like to look at documents first. That's fine. My experience is they almost never read them. I mean, they're boring, right? I mean, it's a good way to fall asleep. It's a pretty solid cure for insomnia. Illegal documents are pretty boring. (laughs) Um, But then, you know, we sit down. When you look at it at black and white, it makes a lot more sense. We talk about things, whatnot. We sign it. We get into effect. And then we talk about how we make plan work which means how we need all the assets to be tied you know do we need to change beneficiary forms this is what we go tell the bank that kind of thing we always handle the real estate for clients that and whatnot we're pretty picky about that is there a closely held business right how do we deal with that so that's what the what the process is it's pretty it's pretty pretty efficient and pretty streamlined but this is the only thing I've talked about for you know about about twenty two years now. Sure. So is it is so is it a one time type of payment or is it a recurring monthly thing until you no, die? No, or? no, no. It's a flat, everything we do is on a flat fee, right? And I I, I know we, my I have a law partner and she she does really good about keeping uh, at least in the you know the metro area about, on you know what people are charging that kind of thing and we're in the low mid range. And for the services that we provide, a lot of a lot of attorneys don't do that. There's different ways of, uh, you know, different attorneys have different different schools of thought as to, you know, what 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 we don't charge to talk and that kind of thing. So we're not on a time clock. You know, usually the first appointment lasts about an hour, sometimes a little bit more. Uh, the signing appointments usually last, you know, between an hour and two hours, depends on the questions people have and whatnot. And then there's usually a third titling appointment where we deal with the assets once the documents are in effect. 
and you know sometimes those are 30 minutes sometimes they're an hour and whatnot but no it's a it's a fee usually we get half the start and half when it's all done and then that might that may sound scary to some people how you just described the process you know and i, I think for a lot of people who don't and including myself, it's just something I never really even gave thought to, you know, and I'm just trying to like imagine myself as someone else that that sounds scary to you. But it's like, if, if that sounds scary to you, just listen to the previous 40 minutes of this podcast and realize how important that is if you have a family. And how or scary you, the alternative could be. Exactly. Yeah. So it's, it's exactly. So you're just doing it. And so I'm a, I'm a big believer in options, right? People explore their options. And when we're talking about this stuff, it's a relationship business, just like, you know, a, a choice of physician or an accountant or crying out loud, a, a hair, hair, hair uh, stylist Barber. or anything, Every, everything's yeah. a, a relationship business, your, your insurance, your financial plan or whatever, work with who you're comfortable working with that you have a good feel for. I mean, if they're good at what they do, you're probably going to get taken care of, but you got to be comfortable with them because honestly, there's an element of trust there. Well, I'm sure you got to, and, and there should be. You got to feel it out, just like anything. You like you said, a yeah. barber, like anything. If you're going to I mean, a counselor, you got to all the time. Uh, they'll shop and they'll go talk to four different lawyers, and then uh, they always come, uh, almost always come back. I mean, that, that's fine. I, I don't care. You can. <laughs> I mean, that's how it should be realistically you too. You should, you know, want options and want to look around. Yeah. I always encourage, you know, if I'm referring somebody out, somebody asks me, Hey, I'm looking at doing insurance. Can you do that? I always give them three names and based on the personality and the personality of the people I'm sending them to, you know, all three of those, I think will be a pretty good fit. Right. You know, sometimes you can tell a personality is not going to mix. And so you am probably not going to get, you know, refer that one out. So hold on, I, I got one question real quick. So in, in your in your practice, sorry, Johnny. This, you're good. I, this I got is, one right after you're done. Th though. This is a good one, Brennan. So do you see a lot of biases whenever it whenever you are whenever you do get involved in the courtrooms and stuff like that? Um, when it comes to just the law of what you're talking about, I think it's probably pretty cut and dry. Or is there a lot of opportunity for the judge to kind of just direct his own or her own type of authority? and just completely change the whole outcome of a situation when it applies to death. I, I, I don't know. I don't never, I don't never go to a courtroom. So oh, you don't. Okay. Judges never, never, uh, uh, I, I keep it all out. Right. We, we keep it in play. And That's we, what you we do. I got you. What might be coming down the line. If we're disinheriting a kid, right. Something like that. We're not treating everybody equally and whatnot. If somebody, you know, all right, we're, somebody's going to get mad, that kind of thing, and try to undo or sue. Uh, we, we try to address and shut that down. Is it, is uh, it, so it doesn't happen. Is now, it more... as far as something happens, like let's say that you're in a courtroom, judges always have an ele some element of discretion because like if, if, it, if it's designating a guardian for a, for a child or a minor child or something like that, their only job is to do what's in the best interest of that child. And so they have to you know, ask, make a determination that the people that either you've selected or if you haven't selected that are, that are, that are buying for that position are a good fit. So, uh, so I think what, what you were getting at is what is the leeway the judge has towards making decisions or they really have to be by the book? Like when it comes to probate and yeah, stuff like yeah, that. Probate, yeah. Like what's their leeway? Do they have some give like, like, you know how whenever it comes to, like, federal prosecution of, like, an indicted person for, like, murder, 
there's a lot of leeway that comes with the judge on making that decision. Is it the same way whenever it comes to the probate uh, scenario, or do no, they have no, to be really much, by the book? No. It's more, it's more cut and dry. Okay, okay. That's, Probate's that a answers, lot. That answers uh, that it's question. not nearly as exciting as a murder case. I would, I would. Yeah, suspect. no, but that, that's. I think that's what yeah, you. Were, yeah. That's what you were trying to get at. Are there like politics? The, yeah. Are there politics like some, involved when or, it comes to probate? You know, there, there, or, should, there shouldn't be too many politics involved. Every once in a while, I guess there could be. It depends on how good the document that they're looking at it was, or how, you know, how, or how, how if there's no will in place or anything, and everybody's fighting. You know, he said, she said, that kind of thing. Uh, you know, I guess there, there could be some discretion or leeway there, but by and large, it's pretty cut and dry. I, I was going to say from the sound of it, it seems like if there were politics involved, it'd be more on the family side. Yes. Not the actual like yes. cut law and side. dry law side. Yeah. Everything's my, easier if people play nice. Yeah. Always. My question that I was going to ask, sorry, Jesse. No, but, no, you're good. You're good. I'm um, taking up too much time as it is. <laughs> oh God. Now I'm trying to remember. I had it. It was on the tip of my tongue. Um, Jesus Christ. You can think Go about ahead. it. You Go can ahead. think about it while I ask this question. Um, are there ever, like, I see this in movies and stuff like this to where they have, like, a video documentation of, like, their last living will. Is that actually a thing people do? You know what I mean? <laughs> Where they videotape I, it? Yeah. And no. Then, uh, not, not, no. Not really. And you also don't re sit and read a will. Like I say, if you're reading that stuff, it'll put you to sleep pretty fast. No, that, uh, that's that's like so cinematic to me. I was just curious for somebody who's in the is. field. So wh whether... where you would do that. So let's say where you would do a videotape is if you have a borderline capacity issue where somebody, they, they, they have capacity, but not all the time, right? And they're doing some, uh, making a, a decision that they're disinheriting somebody or they've had a change of heart then you very well might videotape the whole thing to, to, <laughs> to establish because now the person's gone that, hey, we're, you know, th this person did know what they were doing when they did that and this is what they wanted to do. Now, does that have contractual, like, differences compared to their living will? Whenever they videotape something, you can prove it that this was after the living will, even though there was no, like... So it's video Trump's signature at that point. Yeah, no, that's kind of no, what, man, you know, that's another, is. like, branching no. question Video from does that. not Trump's signature. That's what I figured. That's what I figured. Video, video it, it, the, in my mind, the only reason you do a video is unless the person really just wanted it, I guess. I, but I've never had anybody just really want, want to be videotaped. Um, but if, if, if to, to, to really establish that the person had capacity to sign and do what they're trying to do. Oh, just right. that extra layer, that extra layer. You're trying extra to extra layer of protection, knowing yes. that something might get challenged in the future. You're trying to yes. prove that okay. they're cognitive and and, and of exactly. their own free will yeah. are doing they got this. Their okay. marbles going on. Yeah. Okay, I remember my I remember my thing now. <laughs> my the whole thing was for someone what would you say is the first let's say people have been watching or listening to this podcast and they're like, you know what? I actually want to go out and I want to do this and everything. Even if there's someone like me who is, I'm not married and I don't have kids, but God forbid, knock on wood, something were to happen. I actually do have assets or equity or whatever you want to call it. I have stocks and yeah. stuff like that. I've got, I want to give that to a certain person, my mom or my sister, my dad, whatever. What should be my, knowing nothing about this other than what we've talked about, what should be my first step? Like first and second step. Uh, call somebody and sit down and talk about it that specializes in this area. Just Google it, look into it, and just kind of... You, you could, yeah. Uh, 
sometimes, you know, word of mouth, that kind of thing is, is a lot. I, I know a lot of our business is word of mouth and whatnot. Sometimes it's from an internet search or that kind of thing or, or a Facebook page. You know, I know a lot of people will, will sit even in my neighborhood that I live in. There's a, you know, the bulletin board, those next door neighbors or whatever it is, you know, the, the last K, you know, who, who do you recommend for an attorney? That kind of thing. Uh, I, I look at, I mean, pe people, people find things, uh, and whatnot. Okay. So it's not that difficult though. I was, I was just, no, I was just curious on that first, like that specializes. I can promise you, you don't want to go to somebody that does a whole lot of different things, right? Law, like everything's a world of niches. It's hard to, to be really good at a bunch of different things. I don't want to be calling right. the 1-800-LAW-NOW billboard or whatever. Jungle Law. Jungle, jungle law, law cracks me up, by the way. Did you see no, the that, jungle? That is pretty pretty solid. That's pretty funny. No, he's not going to know know, uh, know know anything. Like, so <laughs> there, there's a guy who does Jungle Law, that kind of thing. You know, Dude, that cracks me up. We so work much. out of. And, you know, he, he, the first thing he's going to do if somebody asks him is to call me or, 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 call, or, or call my partner, that kind of thing. Just call those people. They're going to know your answer to that. Gotcha. There's a lot of Americans right. out there that are our age and, and that don't have kids and don't, you know, and they do have assets and they don't really know what to do with it. That's so I think, you know, that's something I need to look into yeah. legitimately need it to look is. into. Yeah, it is. And then somebody that's good, we're, you know, they, all right, these are your options. Have you thought about this? You know, what, what do you do? Sometimes people don't even know what options they have. I don't think anyone knows what they have. No, I, I don't. Well, people our age don't think about this. Yeah. This is going to be a really weird I'm immortal. podcast. Well, I'm now live everybody's forever. young and invincible yeah, you know? still, right? Yeah, yeah, they, I'm yeah, immortal. Still, I'm, gonna, like, I'm, I'm gonna, 30. I'm 30, so, and I still feel invincible. Besides exactly. my back problems so, so, and my so overweightness. So what happens is, you know, it's funny. We just had somebody, they, they lost a father and the, the, these girls, and it was funny. They, they, they signed these... Uh, the, the the these trusts the other day and they were kind of got excited because they talked to a financial planner and they'd done this they felt like they felt like they were actually adults now they they like crossed to the other side we've done something we're supposed to do but the the key is you do it you think about it now and then you set it aside and let it collect dust and then adapt to adapt and change it is uh it, it is you know life evolves and things happen but you guys are involved in that process the whole time, which is really cool. You know? Oh yeah. I, I get, I mean, people call me all the time. Hey, this is what I'm doing. What, what, how am I supposed to do it? What do I do? I'm like, great. Th this is what we do. That kind of thing. You know, this is, this is what you're supposed to do on this. So, right? so they, they call me, they text me, they do whatever. Okay. Well, it's easy. We're, we're towards the end of the hour. So I don't know if you guys have a few more questions. I mean, I got, I got one question left. I don't know whatever you guys have or Brendan, Brendan, if you have any lasting thoughts that you want to say, but my last question for you would be, um, how much money do you think you have s saved from the pockets of American people from Uncle Sam? Ah, that's a good question. Um, <laughs> Look at him racking his brain. Yeah. A, lot. It. Um, a lot. A lot. Yeah. A lot. <laughs> so you're on the uh, number one enemies most wanted for from the government. <laughs> Tens of millions. Nice. There you go. You're, you're on the right side of law, man. Yeah. Good for Easy. you. Really easy. Yeah. That's awesome. Hats off to you, man. Hats off to you. Especially during trying times like that, man. I, I always kind of come back to that that moral or, or that just the struggle of just dealing with death. And you have to see it all the, all the fucking time, man. Like that's. So do you know what your perfect estate plan is? I do not know. Uh, to make your last check bounce. 
The problem is you don't know how much to write it for, what day to write it on. So you got to plan for something, right? That's a, I'm a big believer that if, it, if it's yours, you know, spend it, do something, but, you know, enjoy it. Life's too short. Yep. yep. I agree Absolutely, with that, man. man. It's beautifully Absolutely. said right there. I don't, do you guys have any lasting questions? I, I, I don't. I know that sounds lame, but I really don't. I feel like you covered a lot of it, and I don't want to sound like it's oversimplified, but it's, I guess what I'm saying is when you give, really get down to brass tacks, it's easier than I think most people think it is. Like it is, and it shouldn't be an overwhelming or a, a process to be afraid of, right? And you got to approach it. Now, I always approach it with a sense of humor, but I, I, I do that with everything in life anyway. And, and uh, you know, you, you talk about some, some not necessarily great things, but it's, it's okay to talk about them and, and figure them out. I, I do have a quick I do have a kind of a quick question here that and I'm sure it probably doesn't get to this point because like you said a lot of what your job is is also talking to people and working through it before they ever get to the point of actually like making a will and stuff you're like helping them kind of figure stuff out but have you ever like just has anybody ever came in and been like this is what I want to do and it's like crazy like there's like yes. okay is there one you yeah. can tell us about without like names or anything, anything that strikes out in your mind where you're, like, where you're like, man, this person for whatever reason thought they could just come in here and be like, I want all my stuff to go to buying clown outfits. And then these clown outfits are delivered to, to my cats, yeah. to my cats. Uh, I got, I got one. Yeah, there was a, uh, uh, squirrel trust. Oh, long time ago. And it was actually one, one of my, uh, mentors that kind of came up with it, but there, there was a guy in, in town and he had quite a bit of money. He didn't have any family. Right. So every day, twice a day, he went to this park and he fed this family of squirrels and he fed him this special kind of nut. He got him, drove to Arkansas and got him, put him in his car, went once a month, that kind of thing. And he was very concerned about what would happen to the squirrels. If he died. Right? So what, what they came up with is they figured out what a life expectancy of a squirrel is. It's about two years. Okay. So after the guy died, they hired a, what's called a trust company to man. They managed the money and the trust company hired two kids to go to the same park every day for two years, twice a day to feed this family of squirrels. Wow. That's crazy. At That's the end of that two years, the money, and it was, it was a few million dollars, I believe, uh, went to various uh, uh, various charitable organizations around the city. Wow. That's crazy. That's super cool, actually. That's that is, just crazy. Yeah. I've, I'm so, so sorry. Can, as long as it's not against public policy and you can think of it, you can pretty much do it. I want to do uh, some weird shit with If mine. it gets too crazy, I'll probably try to talk you out of it if it gets too complicated. <laughs> I mean, that's because you're good at your job. That's... And if you still want to do it, I mean, it's like, I'm, I'll do it, but you're not going to like it. <laughs> we can see it. We can buy it. I've had that happen too. Yeah. So w one more, just a quick one. Like what happens if uh, I have a lot of money, I'm older, I got stuff, um, no next of kin, no anything, completely, completely alone in the world, blah, blah. Man, that's depressing. But someone someone who no some i mean cuz that happens to people yeah. someone with no family whatsoever no and uh, no you know no parents no kids no grandparent whatever what happens with that what does probate do with that okay you, you know so th there's a thing called a wipeout right so if you've everybody that you've it's a really unaffectionate term but if anybody 
you, you have thought of or, or fa immediate family, that kind of thing. If everybody's gone, if there's nobody left, you know, every once in a while, you'll see that there, I think there was a case that was in the paper where two uh, kind of skate skateboarding punks in New York or something inherited uh, uh, something from some long lost relative in Alaska, right? So there's actually firms that could be engaged that will find somebody in your family to inherit your money. Wow. And you can hire these people and they'll search and they'll scour and they'll find things. And then all of a sudden, we'll ask somebody you've ne never met before is going to get your money. Hmm. It, it does happen. I've only seen two of them. Two of them. One was really a, a cool deal. Uh, one of them, I think after the, the lawyer's fees and um, uh, the, 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 the search company, the, the search firm's uh, commission, I think they ended up with 700 bucks. <laughs> the other one of them, it was, they were retired there in their eighties and they, they, they'd work, but they were, they were, uh, 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 yeah, they'd never, they'd never amassed a lot or had a lot of money, but you know, they had a good life and some remote relative in North Dakota died and it went through this big probate process and everything. And this lady ended up getting a, a, a mineral override in a oil and gas field. They started getting checks through about twenty or thirty thousand dollars a month. Wow! <laughs> so it's it's a, it's almost like Mr. Deeds at that point. That's a good and, example. And it kind of is. Yeah. And they they never met the person. Yeah. That's honestly though, man. I very rarely will ever be like, "Yay, government!" Honestly, but that's honestly kind of cool that like it's not just like, "Oh, he's done. We're not even going to look into it." The government absorbs all this money. Bye bye. No, they don't. You have to. I mean, there were. Eventually, it could. They do. It's called a sheet to the state, where it goes to the state. But I mean, there's. I mean, you're going. You're talking. You're going through, mom, dad, brothers, sisters, nieces, nephews, aunts, uncles, first cousins, second cousins, third cousins. Yeah. I mean, you're going a long way. Yeah. Down that family tree, it's just there. 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 There's people you can engage out there that will go and find them. Cool. Do you think that's more just like pure volume of things like that happening to where the government knows that it's not even in their best interest to like try to absorb that money and well, they, almost... they don't have any claim to it. I... Right. I mean, it's, it's, it's your asset. You can go, you can give it to whoever you want. The only That's person simple. you can't disinherit on the planet's a spouse. That sounds they really, don't let you do that. That sounds really <laughs> beautiful. And I almost want to get into another topic, but I'm, you know, That's so crazy to me too. Guy, but... Yeah. I'm not saying uh, that's that's still crazy to me that you can't disinherit a spouse. I understand the reasoning. I 100% understand the reasoning. I just like yeah, you, you got you got to get their permission first. Do you? Right? They have to consent to it, and, and so so that, that that's how that works. So technically, a house is you know, a spouse is it just in simplified terms is basically entitled to half of what everything you got. If you mm -hmm. and if you give them less than half, they can elect against your estate, and they can get half. But it's half of everything that that he or she has, and you have. So it's half of everything. So every you be one big stack of chips, the spouse basically is going to end up with half of it. Gotcha. <clears throat> Rock on, man! No, that, that was yeah, fantastic. This was so much fun. Yeah, was this one was so much fun. It was, Brennan. I appreciate it, man. I don't know if you have any lasting comments that you want to throw out there, man. But it's been it's, it's been amazing, man. Put you guys to sleep. Don't shout out your law firm because we'll ruin you. Don't do that. <laughs>
You'll be out of business in 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 a week. Nah, no, I, don't, I doubt <laughs> that, man. You're just, more, just kidding. You're more than welcome to plug your law firm. I mean, it, p- people who join Talk Junkies <laughs> know where we're from and, and what we do and, and what we talk about, man. Um, now we run it, out of sig- signature will and trust is what the what the firm's called. Gotcha. Very cool. And I don't know how many people, honestly, viewer wise, are local anyway. So, um, yeah, I don't keep up with that. You would know. Yeah, I mean, I don't think he doesn't even know. So nobody knows. Well, Brandon, thank you very much, man, for coming on. (laughs) dude. It's been thanks for having me. I appreciate being here. It was fun. I really learned a lot. I was I found it interesting. I know you said it puts people to sleep, but like I find it interesting. This is a bunch of stuff that I didn't know. So every once in a while you get lucky, right? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Rock out, man. Well, I'll I'll probably see you here in a couple days. So much appreciated for joining my man. Do you have a good night? Hey, appreciate you guys having me. Thanks, Thanks. Brandon. Cheers. Thank you so much. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, yeah, very informative, very just, I mean, shit I didn't know. It's crazy. I mean, you just assume, like, you don't do any research. I didn't do any research, and I assumed that the government's going to do this, this, and that with me, and what happens if I don't do this, this, and that. And it was the complete opposite. That's, what shook, me, that's what shook me more than anything else. We talk, on this podcast specifically, we talk a lot about all the fucked up wrong shit that the government does. Right. Like, man, I hate saying this out loud, but props to them for actually... Well, no, like, but like Brennan said, though, it's like, it's yours. No, you should still... Hold up. You but should like, still go through that and not go through probate and all that. Right. Yes. But, but what he said at the very end, he's like, it doesn't even... The, like, the last question you asked, he's like, what does it matter that the government gets involved anyways? If there were no next to kin or anything like that, he's like, mm-hmm. because it's your stuff. Or, and I don't think yeah. it applied to that, but he's like, it's your stuff. What does the government have to say about it anyways? But obviously, you still you want to avoid probate. Yeah. You want to avoid that. Make your decisions yourself. I mean, yes, it it makes the most sense. Like if you have some assets, you have a little bit of money. Like go on ahead and just do this. Like make the small step. Right. You know yeah, for sure. Or it, it, I mean, for me, worst case, I mean, like if I couldn't afford something like that, which is I would definitely for you. You have kids. Yeah. It's way more important for but you. I would definitely. I would do something as opposed to nothing. You know what I'm saying? It, no matter how expensive that was. But anyways, yeah, I'm not. We're not gonna go down that road. But I hope you guys enjoyed that, man. That was very informative. I, I, again, like Brennan said, it's it's a lot different in each state, but I feel like it's probably very common set of rules in most of the states with a little bit of some, different some basics that stay the same and just some little weird ones that right. are different here and there. But um, hope you guys liked it, man. Um, that's just what we're trying to do again. Just and and just thinking through it in the podcast, I'm like, man, like I like this a lot because it applies to my everyday life. And granted, a lot of stuff we do does, but this is something that's more. It's grounded. Exactly grounded. Yes, yes. It's more grounded. It's something that affects each and one of our lives. That's not conspiracy or anything like that. And that's. I love conspiracy, by the way. <laughs> uh, we I know. was trying to avoid. We know. It. There, yeah. there were certain moments in the podcast where I was like, oh man. I don't want to ask this question because I know that's where that's going to lead. Some of I the, said that like two times. But I like I the fact that we didn't, though, yeah. honestly. I yeah. like and the fact that this is a little more it. grounded, and this is something keep that... It, keep it grounded. Keep it to the every, yeah. every Every listener and viewer out there who knew nothing, who was like us and came into this knowing nothing about it in advance, learned something real. Exactly. And, that, and you live a short life, and I think it's important, especially that we live in this country and it applies to everyone. They should all know. I mean, ultimately. So hopefully, yeah. Either way, it was fun, and I'm going to push some type of shit like this just in different subjects, and I'm going to continue to try and bring you guys the best amount of knowledge that we can bring you. And Brendan gave you guys his knowledge. I hope that's very informative for you guys or or gals um, because if you didn't know anything about death, now you do. Now you do. So the best thing you can do for this video and for this podcast is just to share that video to everyone in America. So whenever they die or before they die, 
20, 30 years before so, they know what to do. Put and us it, in your will. Yeah. Put, well, don't put us in a will. Just share this video and you will know what to do when you die. That's what we really need. That's it. That's it. Share this video and boom, you know what? And, and you don't have to pay a lawyer a couple hundred bucks. Sorry, Brendan. <laughs> we'll give you 10%, man, if this video hit a million views. But either way, thank you for joining. Hit that subscribe button. Hit the like button. Hit the bell notification to all our junkies out there. Stay fly and ring the bell. I thought you were going to do a little like a I was, I Dumbledore I or something. I didn't know what I was doing with it. That was a weird one. Just put your name in the goblet of fire. Try to switch it up.